stay, just keep them close. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some traveling today in Scripture. I, I typically pick a chapter or several verses at least and stay pretty close to that. And, and uh, today I'm going to stay with the same theme, but I'm going to travel some uh, in Scripture. So get them and uh, stay with me. They'll also be on the screen, screen so that you can get to them very quickly. I want to talk to you this morning about what it means to live life sight unseen. Sight unseen. In other words, we live by faith. I remember several years ago when I was just a lad, my dad got up in the middle of the night. The mountain that, lived, uh, that, that was across the road from where we lived was on fire. And he got up in the middle of the night to check on the fire to make sure that we were safe. And when he did, he got up in the darkness and he put his hands out like this and he started walking out of the bedroom so that he could go check the fire. What he didn't know was that the door had swung and the door came right between his two hands and arms and he walked straight into the side of that door. And the side of the door was rough. It had not been sanded very well. And so from the top of his forehead all the way down his nose, across his mouth, to his chin for several days, he had scabs about that wide, about the width of the door, and uh, blood everywhere. And I, it, we, of course, we all heard him when he screamed out in the middle of the night. Uh, we thought somebody had gotten him. But it was just that he was living in a very dark circumstance, but he was walking by faith. And even while he was walking by faith, something bad happened to him and he had to deal with it. Well, those scars didn't remain and his face got back to as good as it possibly could. My dad was never a beautiful man. He's a little bit like me. You know, we do the best we can. But it did heal, and he was able to, to recover from the damage that was done. And as I thought about that this week, I, I, I think that really there's sometimes in the church world, there are people that are just walking like that uh, in their faith walk. They, they're walking by faith. They're moving. They're traveling. They're trying to get to a destination, uh, but they're, they're uncertain of the circumstances. And so they're like my dad uh, you, you have your hands out and you're proceeding, uh, but you're not covered on every area. And because of that, it opens yourself to, to some startling results. So today I just want to talk for a few moments about this idea of living life sight unseen. And we begin by going all the way back to the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4, where the scripture says, Behold the proud... His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Now, those words uttered and written by Habakkuk were so valuable and so important that we see them at least three times in the New Testament. And so the New Testament writers caught on to this idea that we are to live life by faith. And so we see in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, For in it, the scripture says, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. 
Now, the overarching message that the writer of Romans is giving here is uh, he's putting an emphasis on how lost sinners are those who have never accepted Christ as their Savior can be declared righteous before God. When we live by faith, then we can literally be declared every second, every moment of the day as righteous before God. That's the mistake that we make sometimes is because we were taught wrong growing up in the traditions of the church. And we were taught that if you sin, if you have a negative thought, a bad thought, if you cuss, if you steal something from someone, you automatically have been kicked out of the kingdom of God and you are no longer righteous in God's eyes. I'm not condoning sin, but what I am telling you is, is that when you have been washed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, you are righteous in His sight. You may falter and you may fail, but the scripture says the righteous man, though he falls seven times, he will rise again. He will get up. So some of you just need to stop this guilt trip of constantly holding your own sins against you because the writer is clearly saying here that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been washed clean. Our sins have been removed from us, never to be remembered against us again. How could God be the holy God that he is if every time we messed up, he said, oh, now don't you remember when you did this and don't you remember when when you did that and don't you remember when you said this no he would be bringing up our past sins consistently and constantly but God is not like that when God forgives you and when God cleans you up and washes you with his blood you are as righteous as you will ever be in the kingdom of God I like the old gospel song that we used to sing what sins are you talking about I don't remember them anymore. How many of you remember that song? I love that. You've never heard it. I, I haven't heard it a whole lot, but I caught that line, and I'm just so thankful that God does not remember our sins. And then we see in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Now it is evident, say evident, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Now, what he's trying to say is, is that when we come into Christ, we are free from the law or a subset of rules that we have to try to live by because we live by grace. We are covered by grace. That doesn't mean the Holy Spirit won't uh, sometimes uh, develop us and, and discipline us sometimes when we get into a mindset that is spiritually unhappy, unhealthy. He will let us know. He will convict us of those things. Uh, but it's not about the rules and it's not about the regulations, uh, but it is about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I spoke to somebody a few days ago and I posted this on Facebook and I, I, I just kind of talked to them about 
uh, you know, I haven't seen you in church in a while. I, you know, I'm just wondering, is everything okay? Is there a problem? Is there something that I can pray with you about? What, what's the problem? And this individual started lifting, listing off all these things. That, you know, well, this happened, and then this, and then that, and then this, and then can't come because of this, and can't come because of that, and what. And they just stopped kind of in the middle of the sentence, and they said, you know, Pastor, the truth of the matter is we just kind of got out of the rhythm of coming. And when we got out of the rhythm of coming, it just got more difficult to come the next time. And I encouraged them to come and get back in the rhythm. And I'm so glad that this morning I can announce that I see that individual in the house today. Praise the Lord. So they're back in the rhythm. But listen, it's not about rules and regulations. God's not going to check your attendance list when we, he's not going to look at the Sunday school books that we used to have years ago and see if you came 80% of the time or 90% of the time or 100%. Those people that came 100% used to get those pins that came down the side. You remember those? How many of you remember those? And people just, they just press around like peacocks showing everybody their pins that come all the way down to their kneecaps. You know, we're, we're proud of that kind of thing, but you're not impressing God. The only thing that he cares about is where is your heart? Are you in relationship with him? Are you living by faith? That's what he wants to know. And so the writer of Galatians wants you to know that you can be free from this law and this obligation to rules and regulations and you can simply walk and live every day in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? And then the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 38, he said it like this. He said, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Well, you say, well, now, pastor, you're contradicting yourself because you just said that if you commit sin or if you fall short of the glory of God, that, that, you know, that you're still in right standing with him. That's not what this scripture says. What this scripture is saying is what I told you a few moments ago. When you are living and walking in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, your sin does not separate you. Your falling short does not separate you from your righteousness. But the Holy Spirit will convict you of your sin and your falling short. And he will keep you awake at night. And every time you roll over in the bed, you'll be reminded of those words that you spoke and that action that you took and that attitude that you had until you fall on your knees in repentance before the Lord and say, Lord God, my Savior, the one who washed me free of my sins, forgive me of falling short. I'm going to start moving in the, the different direction. So what he's saying here is, is that my righteous one shall live by faith. Now the emphasis here, the emphasis here is on the words by faith. Say by faith. And what it does is it brings to mind the idea of sight unseen. Now how many of you have ever looked in the classified ads in the newspaper or maybe on Craigslist or something like that? Maybe you were looking for an item to purchase or to buy and you looked on Craigslist or in the classified ads and you saw exactly what you were looking for. And you decided, I'm going to get that. I, and you call them up and they say to you, well, I'd be happy to sell it to you, but I've got three people in my front yard right now looking at it. 
and, and it goes to whoever gets the money to me first. And you say, well, I need to have that. I will buy it sight unseen. And you make the arrangements to make the purchase, and you don't know what you're getting. You think you know what you're getting, but you are, you are buying something sight unseen. A couple of days ago, I, I said to my wife, I said, I said, I need to get some new summer shoes. And, and I said, I feel like, you know, it's time to start wearing shorts and all that. And I had some shoes last year that I, that I wore with my shorts. And, and, and she basically said, don't ever do that again. She said, those shoes look stupid with those shorts. And she said, I'd really rather you not. She said, I don't want to go out in public with you. She said, listen, she said, you don't have to be a redneck. You don't have to do that. And so I, I, I told her the other day, I said, I need to get some shoes. She said, well, what do you think you'd like to have? And I kind of described to her what I had. And she gets online and she starts, I don't know, I don't know where she goes, but she, gets, she starts showing me these pictures. What do you think of these? And what do you think of these? And what do you think of these? And I'm looking at them and one or two pairs, I just said, flat out, no, I wouldn't wear that to my funeral. There's not a chance in the world that I'm going to wear those. But I finally, you know, I found a picture, or she found a picture, and I said, well, I, I would probably wear something like that. And she said, well, I'll just go ahead and order them. I said, yeah, let's don't do that just yet. I said, I'd rather go to the store and stick my foot down in it and see what it feels like. I, I want to feel it with my hands. I, I want to I be able to see what it looks like. I want to see where it falls on my arch and all that. I just, I didn't go into all that, but that's what my mind was thinking. I, I'm just uncomfortable buying something I'm going to wear most every day of my life except to church. And on my feet, I was a little uncomfortable buying them sight unseen. You know what I'm talking about? And so we went out later that day, and I found some shoes that were almost exactly like what she'd showed me, and I slipped my feet in there and kind of put them around and walked around the store for a minute and looked at it and all that kind of thing, and I said, sold, you know? And to boot, they were cheaper than the ones on the internet, praise the Lord. Brought those babies home, put them on my feet, and started walking around. And I like them. They feel good. But I didn't want to buy them sight unseen. And so we understand this idea of sight unseen. Now, from the beginning of humanity, cynics have been suggesting that to live by faith is ineffective and impractical. impractical. It's stupid to try to live your life not knowing for a fact what it is that you're trying to accomplish. One man by the name of H.L. Mencken wrote this. He said, faith is an illogical belief in the occurrence of the improbable. Let me say that again. Faith is an illogical belief in the occurrence of the improbable. In other words, what he's saying, if you're talking about something that is unlikely to happen, for you to believe in it is absolutely absurd. It's just an idiotic way to live. To believe in something that you cannot believe has some sense of probability of happening. Mark Twain, everyone knows who he is. He had a character and he wrote that the character would say this. Faith is believing what you know ain't so. How many of you have ever heard that? Faith is believing what you know ain't so. In other words, you're just wasting your time believing things that you know good and well are not true. But now let me tell you, this world is full of doubters. 
This world is full of people who would try to tell you that your faith is not worth anything. They'll try to tell you that if you're going to believe anything, you need to turn to the science and believe what the science has to say. I have no problems with science. Science is only a result of the creator and what the creator put into existence. I have no problems with it, but there are some answers that science cannot give us. And the scripture says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 9, it says, if we receive the witness of men, the, the witness of God is greater. So what he's saying here is, is that there are some men and women who can give us good advice. They can speak truth into our lives. They can tell us things that may be true. But there may be another level that we need to consider and they don't have that information yet. Only God has that information. Only God is able to speak into that situation. So you can believe all the men and women that you want to believe, but it is much greater if you can pull yourself up and believe what God says. Amen. Because God always has and God always will have the final word anytime, everywhere, and in every situation. Psalmist said, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. It doesn't matter what man says. It doesn't matter what the doubters may say. It doesn't matter any about any of that. The only thing that matters is what has the Lord said about this particular matter. He said, well, I, you know, I went to the to the doctor and he said well you know this is happening to you and this is bad and that's bad and all that I told you about our friend Marlette who a little over a year ago found out that she has lung cancer and they took her to the doctors and they didn't give her much hope at all and then they started treating her with chemo. She's still undergoing chemo and those kinds of things but the thing that I did not like and if I ever have a doctor that does this to me, I'm going to have words with him or her, whoever, whichever it is. But they set an expiration date for her. In other words, they said, by our estimation and by what we see in the progress of the cancer, you will be gone from this earth by such and such date. You talk about no hope. You talk about a Debbie Downer. I think I'd talk to my doctor and say, couldn't you be just a little bit more encouraging? Couldn't you at least season it with some salt of love and say, unless something changes, uh, this is about the time when we're going to have to be looking at some other options. I don't like setting expiration dates based on what doctors say. Because when the doctors have said everything that they can say, and when they have given you all the knowledge that they can give you, God has the final word. And Jesus took stripes upon his back so that we can walk in health and healing. Amen. I choose to believe the report of the Lord. I don't know whose report you're believing today about your situation, but I've come by to tell you today, don't believe the, the report of the enemy of your soul in Instead, believe the report of the Lord. Amen. Good news is it's past her expiration date. 
and they're planning a 40th year anniversary party to go somewhere that they've never been before. Marlette has exceeded her expiration date that was given by the doctor. She's still alive and well. She still has her eyes set on heaven. And I'm telling you, until God changes the report, she's going to live with that report. So we receive the witness of men, but the witness of God is greater. I want to encourage somebody today to stop listening to what the world is telling you. Stop listening to what they're saying to you. And start saying, what, God, what do you have to say about this? What does your word have to say about this? I'm walking in an unseen world when it comes to the things of humanity. But Lord, I'm not going to live in an unseen world when it comes to your word. You said you'd reveal yourself to me. You said you'd reveal your word to me. And I'm going to choose to believe the word of the Lord. Amen. Somebody give the Lord praise in the house. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Faith is an illogical belief in the occurrence of the improbable. Faith is believing what you know ain't so. We've all heard this said, when you cannot see God's hand, can you finish it? Trust his heart. When you cannot see his hand, trust his heart. And that's the problem that so many of us have. Because we go to the Lord in prayer and then immediately after asking the Lord to listen to our prayer, we start putting a plan of action together for God. So God, I need a financial touch in my life. And Lord, I'm coming to you through the authority of your word. You said that if I would bring my tithe into the storehouse that you would pour out a blessing upon me that I can't contain. It'll move on in my life and through my bloodline, generation after generation after generation. That's what he's saying there. He's not talking about that you'll be so blessed in this life that you won't be able to drag all your money around with you. He's saying, I'm going to touch you and bless your bloodline like you've never been blessed before. And after you're dead and gone, your sons and daughters and your grandsons and granddaughters and your great-grandsons and great-granddaughters and your aunts and uncles, they're going to be blessed because of your faithfulness in giving. I'm going to pour out a blessing upon you that cannot be contained in one lifetime. And based on your promise and your word, Father, I trust your word. You told me in your word that if I would give, that men would give into my bosom. People just going to start coming up and just handing me stuff. People are going to start blessing me left and right. They're just going to come up and just start, start saying, man, I want to bless you. I just, you know, it's hard to be blessed. It really well is. I, I went to breakfast with someone not long ago. When it came time to pay the bill, I, I often, I'll reach over and grab the bill. And when I reached over and grabbed the bill, the individual with that I was with said, I came prepared to pay the bill today. I said, I don't mind paying the bill. This individual said, I came prepared to pay the bill, and I really wish that you would just let me pay the bill and bless you today. I took the bill, I took the bill anyway. I was stubborn. I was gonna pay it. And finally, this individual said, Listen. You're taking my blessing away. If you don't let me pay the bill, I'm not going to get blessed. And I sheepishly kind of said, you know, touche. You got me on this one and just kind of stuck the bill back over there. And all day, all day I felt guilty for letting somebody else pay my bill. 
And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day and said, why would you feel guilty? I'm just doing what I told you I would do. I'm just blessing you like I said I would do. You're a giver. You're generous. And so I am sending people into your life who are going to bless you in ways uh, that you're not even expecting uh, because that's the way I work. But if we're not careful... We'll start asking God to meet our needs, and then we start planning how God's going to do it. We can run out to the mailbox every day, and we start looking for that check. You know, is it in there? We spread the mail apart. Where's that check? I don't know. There's got to be a check in there from somebody. I know God's going to send it to me magically through somebody else. But what if God decides instead that he wants to give you a discount on a product that you didn't know that you needed and that you weren't going to have to buy, but instead he blessed you with a discount? discount rather than a check. I know you think I'm crazy. My son thinks I'm crazy. <clears throat> but just a few other days, my, a, few, a few days ago, my wife and I, we're talk, still talking about our house in Tennessee and, and we haven't even been able to get it on the market yet. We still got renters in there and all that. And, I, and, and the last time I was down there, I been, began to realize that my roof on the house was in bad shape. It's probably the roof that was put on there when it was built 15 years ago or whatever it is getting in bad shape. I was talking to her. I said, you know, we don't have the money to put a roof on that house. I don't know how we're going to put a roof on that house. If we don't put a roof on that house, we're going to have a hard time selling that house. So I got along with God. I said, God, you remember what you did when I first came to Louisville several years ago? I realized that we needed roofs on every building on this property, and we didn't have any way whatsoever to put roofs on it. There was water coming in everywhere. We had five-gallon buckets everywhere you could look. Water was coming everywhere and standing outside right over here. I said, Lord God, I know that you were able to cause a hailstorm to come over this place and hit every roof on this place. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to bring a hailstone, a hailstorm that is historic in nature to the city of Louisville. I mean, it wasn't any time at all before clouds started building in the air. You all remember it. And the wind started blowing. And the rain started coming down. It wasn't long before that rain turned into big old golf ball-sized pieces of hail and tore up every roof on this piece of property. And when it was all said and done, the insurance company wrote us a check for $125,000 and enabled us to put new roofs on our property. The other day I said, Lord God, I need a roof on my house in Cleveland. Do you remember what you did in Louisville a few years ago? I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, by the authority of your word, I pray that you will send a hailstorm over my house in Cleveland, Tennessee, and rock its world. Lord, I pray that you'll tear that roof up like it ain't never been torn up before by a hailstorm. I know you're going to think I'm crazy. I know you are, but I mean, it was just a couple days after that, my renter started throwing me pictures on, on, on my text and saying, you wouldn't believe it. We've got a hailstorm going on down here like one we've never seen in history. He showed me pictures of the back of his car where the window had literally been busted out by hail that big around. And I said, was there any damage to the house? <laughs> he 
And he said, it appears so. And I said, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Amen. You know, come on. God doesn't work that way. Listen, God hears the cries of his people. God hears the cries of his people. And if Jesus could step out on the bow of a boat and say, peace be still, and the winds and the waves obey his voice, I'm telling you, God can bring about whatever thing has to happen in your life to bring victory to your circumstance. Amen. I'm just waiting now to hear from the roofers. See how big the check is saying, don't get too big for your britches. I'm not. I'm just confident in God. I just believe that God's character is big enough that he is always going to back up his promises. If God said he'd do it, listen, you don't have to wonder. You don't have to calculate it. You don't have to ask questions about it. If God said he'd do it, all you've got to do is stand back and start by faith saying, God, I can't see it. I can't feel it. I don't know when. I don't know where. I don't know how. But God, I believe that your word is true and you're a good good father and you're going to bless me in every way that I need to be blessed in right now can't see his hand trust his heart that's my introduction (laughs) you're in trouble UK doesn't play no five right Praise the Lord. See, what I want to get in your mind today is this idea that walking by faith requires us to buy in to God's plan and his promises before we have visible proof. Before you can see with your eyes, you have to learn how to see with your spirit. Before you can walk in a feeling, you have to get the advance of faith in your life. And so we have to learn sometimes to live by sight. Now, I know some of you are thinking, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But I want to take you to the ESV, which is a better uh, translation of the Greek. And it says this, now faith is the assurance. Say assurance. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. And by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So what I'm trying to tell you today is that God is getting ready to release some invisible things, invisible things into your life. God's getting ready to take you to a level where you've never walked before. But the only way that you're going to get there is if you're willing to say, God, I'll go with you sight unseen. I may not be able to touch it. I may not be able to feel it. I may not be able to grab it. But God, I know that if it's from your hand, it is what is best for me. And therefore, I will travel with you sight 
unseen. I don't have to have visible proof. I don't have to be able to see it with my physical eyes. All I've got to be able to do is see it with my spirit and know that it, if it's your word, it's, it's just like the creation of the world when it wasn't made out of anything that, that was made. You'd, you didn't take a little bit from this God and borrow a little bit from that God and, and put it all together so that it can. No, it, you just spoke the word and those things uh, that had not yet existed came into existence uh, and the world was created by the word of God. <clears throat> Listen, some of you need to stop thinking about how God's going to do it. Stop trying to put the plan together for him. But I'm telling you, when it comes time for God to move on your behalf, he doesn't have to borrow from any other God. There's no God beside him. He doesn't have to go to another level and ask permission because there's no God above him. Amen. There's only one God, and he is the one that we serve today. And when our God speaks the word creatively into our lives, that's the only thing thing that matters. If you accept the word of man, fine. But remember the word of God is greater than the mind of man in every situation. I've got to quit. Come if you will. Preach the rest of it next week. <coughs> so you might be thinking, okay, now how does this work for me? How's all this theology? How does it flesh out in my life? The first thing, when you live sight unseen, you'll begin to understand that God has an individual path for you. You need to stop comparing yourself to other people. You need to start saying, stop saying, well, if I could just do this like so-and-so. If I just had the money of Bill Gates, man, what I could do. If I, could just, if I just had this body of health like so-and-so does. If I, if I was just smart like so-and-so, if I stop comparing yourself to other people, you were fearfully and wonderfully made by the hand of God and you are everything that he needs you to be. He has a path for you. So stop comparing yourself to other people. I used to think, man, I wish I could preach like Ray H. Hughes. Then I used to think, man, I wish I could throw my Bible like Floyd Lahan. And I wish I could spit like T.L. Lowry. And I wish I could pastor a church like Loran Livingston. And I wish that I could pastor a church of 12,000 people in multiple locations like Paul Laverne Walker. I wish, I wish, I wish. The only thing that wishing will do for you is depress the living daylight out of you. Because God did not call you to be like somebody else and to live like somebody else. He called you to be who you are and to walk in the fullness of his gifting into your life. Secondly, when you start to live sight unseen, you'll begin to visualize your purpose. God has given you a purpose. Your purpose is your purpose and your purpose alone. And whatever your purpose is, no one else can do it for you. And God will bankrupt heaven if that were even possible. It's not. But God will do whatever he has to do to make sure that you have every resource that you need to be your purpose, to, to do your purpose. Not long ago, my daughter Erin 
was just enjoying life. Life was good. She's making good money working for AT&T. She had just received a promotion at work. She had moved into the management tiers and was serving as an an assistant manager. And she had just, everything was good. But the home life was awful. And I don't mean they were fussing and fighting. I mean they had to work hard at scheduling just to do life. Because Justin was one, on one schedule and, and Aaron was on another schedule and the girls were on another schedule with school. And I used to, I'd ask Jovi down at the end of the hall, I'd say, who's picking you up today? She said, I don't know. It'll be either mom or dad or you or Grammy or Granny or Pop Pop. I don't know. I'm just here. I'm just living life. And it wasn't good. And Aaron got an email one day that said, AT&T is downsizing. And everybody who is in this category is going to get laid off. And guess what category she was in? And guess what category she'd just been promoted into? And she was going to get laid off. To make a long story short, she started asking me, you know, Dad, what, what did I say? You know, you, you got to pray about it. I said, but listen, and she wouldn't mind me telling you this. I said, listen. You are a tither. And because you are a tither, this is God's problem. It's not yours. And God will supply what you need. God will supply what you need. A couple of days later, she came and she said, well, they've given us a couple of options. We can either go down, which would basically mean I'd be starting over. Or they will give me a buyout and 90 days to find another job. I said, what are you going to do? She said, I'm going to start putting some applications out. She started putting applications out. Started praying. We started praying with her. I said, listen, don't you give in to fear. Don't you give in to frustration. Don't you do it. Because this is God's problem to work out. He promised. And here's the whole summation of what I want to tell you this morning. On the day that she got the email from AT&T several weeks later to say, your job has been done away with and therefore you have no job. On the very day, she got a phone call from Norton Healthcare and said, you put your application here and you are hired today, today, today. The very day that she was let go from a job that had her life in chaos, God provided a job that right now pays a little less money but brings a whole lot more peace to the household because she only has to work Monday through Friday now, 7 a.m. to 3. And now when I walk down the hall and I say to Jovi, Jovi, who's picking you up today? Every day she looks at me and says, my mommy is coming to get me today. On Tuesday, my mommy is coming to get me today. On Wednesday, my mommy is coming to get me today. Listen, when we try to work it all out for God, we sometimes get in the wrong frame and get into the wrong focus. But if we'll just say, oh God, I can't see it. I'm living sight unseen. I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know when it's going to play out in my life. But God, I know what your word says. And it doesn't matter what man says. The only thing that matters is what does God say about 
this circumstance. And if you can trust him when you can't see the end, he will come through for you just in time. about your life and you're thinking I really don't know how all this is going to work out I don't have any answers God I can't see what it is that I think I need to see I can't see it I can't feel it I don't know where to go next I don't know what the direction for my life is I do know, God, that you said that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. So I don't know where I'm heading. I don't know where I'm going. But God, I trust you. When I can't see your hand, I trust your heart. You're a God of character and integrity, and you will not let me down stand with me this morning. Fire, lead us in worship with this song that you've selected. Stay with me this morning. We're going to pray in just a moment, but I want us to worship and prepare our hearts for prayer. Even though I walk through the valley of despair, I can only
Sometimes you're facing a circumstance in your life, in some area of your life that has frustrated you. And even today, you don't know, you don't know what the answer is. You don't, you're living sight unseen. You don't know how God's going to do it. But somehow, down deep inside, you know that even though you can't see it, God is not going to let you down. He's never going to fail you. Never. Not ever. But sometimes, when we're walking through that season, sight unseen, know that the hand of the Lord is with us. So I want the prayer team to come if you will. and I want half of you to stand up here facing that way. And I want the rest of you to stand out there facing this way. And we're going to face, we're going to create a way for them to walk in between us. Some on this side, some on that side. If you're here today and you would be willing to say, Pastor, I'm going through something and I don't know what the answer is, but I trust God to help me move through it. I want you to step out of your seat and come around this direction. And come right down here and make a line out that way. And in just a moment, we're going to walk through here. Now listen, we don't have time this morning for you to stop, stay. You'll have to keep moving. It doesn't take long for God to do what God needs to do. Amen. So I want you to come. We're going to pray and they're going to sing. And I'm going to believe that God is going to build faith in you. So that you'll be able to say, even though I can't see it. I can't see his hand. I trust his heart. And I believe that he's going to give me the answer that I need. Come on around if you will. Just let them walk right through and you just put your hands over on them and pray the prayer of faith for them. Whatever it is. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
about to say today. You may be standing in this house today and you're saying, Pastor, I can't get past what I believe is a disappointment. I believe God let me down. I prayed for somebody to be healed and they did not get healed. They died from the disease that I was praying that God would heal them from. And I am so disappointed with God that I can't get past it. Maybe it's something else in your life that you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you fasted and you asked God and God didn't do it the way that you thought he should do it. You know the problem? You're trying to make God fit his promises into a human existence and into a worldly system and God is beyond this world. (laughs) Listen, you have forgotten that you are an eternal being and when this life is over, you don't stop living. You're going to live forever. When you die from this earthly body, your life's not over. It's not over for you, brother. It's not over for you, sis. It's just beginning. Eternity is just beginning. You're just stepping out of one world and stepping into another world. You're just taking off an earthly body and you're putting on a heavenly body where you're going to live forever. It's never been more difficult for me to sit in a hospital room and watch my mama and my dad both die, one of them from Parkinson's disease and the other from Alzheimer's. And when you sit day after day after day and you watch somebody slowly transitioning out of this life into the next, it's not hard to get a bad attitude with God. It's not hard. difficult to say, God, I I thought for sure you'd do it this way. I thought for sure. And then when God has another plan, it's easy. It's easy to say, well, there's one prayer God didn't answer. That's not even the right way to look at it. God answered that prayer because the very instant that they drew their last breath in an earthly body, on a limited earthly scale they instantly stepped into the presence of God and laid off immortality laid off mortality and picked up immortality they're living forever they they are absent of any disease there's no Alzheimer's in heaven there's no there's no disease there whatsoever they're completely and totally healed What's better than all of that? What's better than all of that? It's a scripture that says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! When they left this earth, they walked right into the presence of Jesus Christ. 
say God didn't answer your prayer right. He answered it in the best way possible that it could be answered. There's no more sorrow. There's no more tears. Some of you today, you've got to stop limiting God to this earthly system and start seeing beyond to all that God has reserved in heaven for you. We talked about that Wednesday night. I got so excited I almost shouted. God's reserving up blessings for you in heaven right now. If we don't ever go to heaven, we're never going to get to tap into those resources. He's reserving them up. But at the same time, while He's reserving up blessings for us, right here, the Scripture says, He is keeping you. Keeping you for what? Keeping you for eternity. And greater blessings God is doing in your life. I'm so glad to know that even when you struggle and even when you walk through difficult days, the end result in your life is going to be like the blessing that was upon Job at the end of his life. He lost everything, but he did not lose his confidence in God. And at the end of his life, he said, I'd only heard about you. Oh, I'd heard about you. I heard so many great things about you. I'd heard, I'd heard, I'd heard, but now my eyes see you. And the scripture says the end of Job's life was greater than his beginning. For some of you, you're going through hard times, difficult days. Let me just remind you that if God is on your side, and he is, your future is brighter than you can even imagine. Hallelujah. Aren't you happy for that? Praise the Lord. God bless you. Go with God. I'll see you Wednesday night. You have a great day.